Hello from ABA Tech Show 2019 in Chicago, Illinois. I'm Lawrence Coletti. Judge Scott Schlegel. And we're on the road with Legal Talk Network. And we're back. Thank you so much for joining us on the road here in Chicago. It is a cold morning, I'm pretty sure. I have not gone outside in a couple of days. I'm staying safely within the confines of the conference center. I saw I saw the Navy Pier from my window, and I saw the ice washing up on the shore, and I wanted no part of it. But that's okay. That's okay. We're having a fun time indoors, and I've got a special guest today, a classmate of mine, believe it or not, Judge Scott Schlegel. Hello, sir. Good morning. How are you? Excellent, Your Honor. And so, uh, God, it's so great catching up with you. I saw you uh, across the way from the startup pitch. Wanted to come over and uh, and say hello, but uh, as you can tell, I'm losing my voice. But uh, we had a lot going on. But uh, I learned a lot about you uh, through my boss, actually. So it's strange how everybody interconnects. It is, yeah. So uh, we're here to talk about the Smart on Crime Initiative, a program that you're part of in championing. And, and there's a lot of different components of it. But before we do that, let's get into your background. Obviously, you're a judge down in Jefferson Parish. Uh, that's New Orleans still, right? It's that kind of New Orleans area? Or there's New Orleans Parish, there's Jefferson Parish. How yeah. does that work? Jefferson Parish, uh, when you fly into the New Orleans airport, you're flying into Jefferson Parish. So Jefferson Parish and New Orleans are the general New Orleans area. Greater gotcha. New Orleans area. Gotcha. Okay, excellent. Excellent. Well, let's get into your bio. So obviously, we went to school together at Loyola University, New Orleans School of Law. I still remember that. <laughs> and uh, from there, what, what happened? Yeah, sure. So uh, after law school, I went into... Uh, uh, went to a downtown law firm doing uh, products liability defense uh, and uh, then became a prosecutor and uh, was able to uh, spend a number of years trying cases and uh, uh, tried many murders and, and aggravated rapes and uh, handled thousands of criminal cases before uh, before resigning and running for judge. In uh, May of 2013, I was elected to, uh, to the bench in Jefferson Parish. And you're going to be on your tenure is for until 2020, is that right? 2020. Excellent. Well, I, I kind of always knew. I mean, you, I, I believe you are, if I'm not mistaken, you are SBA president. Was I that was, right? Yeah. <laughs> I remember. I remember. So actually, I remember the first time I met you because uh, I, I think uh, I was new to the school as a 2L. And uh, you were uh, out uh, shaking hands, running for SBA president. I was like, oh, that guy, he's probably going to be a politician one day. So, <laughs> But uh, anyway, thanks for joining us. Let's talk about uh, Smart on Crime Initiative. And so I got skinny. I did some research on it, but it looks like a tremendous program. And so I think uh, what's interesting is your, your background as a prosecutor, you've seen the other side. And I think I'd like to start with the personal example you shared with me before we did the show. Now, you're not just the prosecutor that's uh, turned around and wanted to rehabilitate. You've actually experienced crime firsthand yourself. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, almost 20 years ago, my wife and I were married. And uh, two weeks after we were married, I found somebody at the foot of my bed and uh, had to uh, wrestle him and hold him down until the police arrived. and, and watched my wife uh, suffer for many years and uh, frankly couldn't sleep alone at home for for many many years so I get it I understand that I appreciate both the uh, side as a victim and as a side as a prosecutor as well again we're building smart on crime initiatives not soft on crime big difference well so let's get into it so there's a lot of facets to this I mean I'm hearing reentry courts uh, swift and certain probation there's also a technology side to it and uh, you're partnering up with the ABA Center for Innovation so Lots of cut through here. So where do you want to start? Yeah, let's start with the realities and the complexities of the criminal justice system. So again, smart on crime, not soft on crime. The realities of the system are these. According to the Bureau of Justice Statistics, uh, at the end of 2015, there were approximately 4.6 million people under community supervision with an approximately 650,000 returning to our communities each and every year. 
So regardless of what you believe in sentencing, 95% of everybody that goes to prison will return to our communities. Now what? Now what are we going to do to address the problem? How are we going to increase public safety, reduce the ugly cycle of recidivism, and be more fiscally responsible with the limited resources we have? And the answer is ensuring that the individuals who are under community supervision get healthy so that there are no more victims. And that's what we are doing through our Smart on Crime initiative in Jefferson Parish, Louisiana. Well, that was one of the uh, one of the mantra statements that was attributed to you on one of the articles I read. It said, getting people healthy so there are no more victims. So I want to get into that. You know, people repeat offenders, you know, they come out of prison, and you would think the last thing they would want to do is go back. And so I understand, you know, we've, we've had a lot of shows that that uh, tackle the access to justice issue. And we're you know hearing a lot from people that work trying to uh, re-enter somebody into society. So what are some of the reasons that uh, people that get out of prison repeat offend or commit a new offense? What, what's going on? Yeah, sure, look, there's no simple answer to this. Again, it's insanely complex and complicated and it's, you know, we, we don't have enough time to discuss all the various uh, collateral consequence issues that they deal with, whether it's transportation, whether it's a substance abuse issue, uh, whether it's the inability to find a job. Uh, and that's what we're trying to tackle through the Smart on Crime initiative and, and our specifically our reentry court. Uh, we uh, take individuals with uh, multiple felony convictions and uh, the DA does the screening and determines, hey, look, this is an individual that we are willing to give an opportunity. And we sentence them to Angola prison. These are nonviolent, non-sex offenders to 10 years at Angola prison, the largest maximum security prison in the country. And we give these individuals an opportunity to actually succeed. Uh, when they arrive at Angola prison, they are paired up with a lifer uh, who is there for the rest of their life. And these lifers are ones that have changed their heart and say, look, this is my way of giving back to the community that I once terrorized. And while at Angola prison, they work on the soft skills. They work on the hard issues. They work on their substance abuse issues. They learn how to be a better father, a better son, a better husband. And they actually learn a skill, a trade, so that when they return to our communities, they can actually have an opportunity to make a livable wage. And these are not jailhouse certifications. They become a ASC certified mechanic or a welder or a horticulturist. And we develop a community to meet them at the gate so that when they do return, again, they have a real opportunity to succeed. That's great. That's great. And so uh, Swift and Certain Probation, what's that program? Yeah, sure. So Swift and Certain Probation is based upon the HOPE model. And Swift and Certain Probation is before they go to jail. So these are individuals who have are failing on their regular probation or they have multiple felony convictions, but it's the types that the DA says, look, you have one last chance, but you're going to go into Judge Schlegel's Swift and Certain Probation program. You're going to take a drug screen every single week. You're going to meet with your probation officer every single week. You're going to take heart classes and deal with those substance abuse issues and meet with our counselor that we have on staff. And if and when you violate, you will be held accountable immediately, but proportionately. So if you're going to test positive, own it. Say that you will test positive, and we'll address it with a two-day parish prison sanction. If you lie about it or tell a half-truth, it's a week. And if you run, it's 30 days, and we're going to send a warrant team looking for you so that we can address the issues before there's a new victim and before there's a revocation. So what we're trying to accomplish is why are you using? What's going on behind that use and or the negative behavior? Now let's go talk to the counselor about it. Sometimes we've heard, look, my uncle died last week and I went and got loaded. Understandable, but that's not how we deal with grief. We need to learn how to deal with grief in an appropriate manner. So let's go talk to the counselor about 
equipping you so that you can deal with that grief properly. We all struggle. Our motto is struggle well. Figure out how to do it and we have all the resources available to you because holding you accountable and caring about you are not mutually exclusive. I'm gonna hold you accountable for every uh, violation. Now what? That's really interesting, and uh, that's a, I think a really good perspective. You know, the, the kind of the personal ownership of your own lot in life. I mean, that's uh, certainly values my parents instilled in me, and uh, definitely served me well. So, just a, kind of a quick follow up on that. Uh, you know, you, some of these programs are pretty new, and uh, they're being unveiled. And so, are you beginning to see some numbers that yeah, sure. are indicating success? Well, how are you measuring that? Absolutely. So, uh, again, we're not doing this just because it feels good. We want to make sure it's effective. Uh, so we have Loyola University actually doing the studies from day one. We brought them on board from day one. Uh, if you go to reentrycourt.com, that's reentrycourt.com, you can learn all about these programs. And Loyola's two-year study on our Swift and Certain Probation program is actually posted online. Our reentry court program is still very new because it's two years incarcerated before release. So we approximately have about 25 individuals that have been released from Angola prison. And we've only had one new crime as a result of those individuals coming back. Uh, the rate uh, in St. Tammany is about 9% recidivism. So we know it works. And uh, if you looked at the individual's criminal histories and saw what they have been able to accomplish, uh, you'd be, uh, be very surprised. We talked about a little bit about this before the, the show began, but uh, you know, the community. And so, you know, I, I know there's some people out there that, uh, you know, they look at a violent offender or somebody that's stolen from their community and they're upset and, and rightfully sure. so. And so they see this program, maybe somebody gets out a little earlier, they see so much, you know, positive being invested into a person and maybe it frustrates them a little bit. Like this is a person that took from our community. Why are we making such an effort to go above and beyond to uh, help them when really what we want them to do is just follow the rules. So what's your message to that, especially from the prosecution yeah. side? Look, uh, number one, uh, the folks that go into ranch court are nonviolent, non-sex offenders. So um, let's start there. Number two, uh, what I would say is if I have a 20-year-old individual and they've broken into your car, what would you do? Probation or jail? Second time, probation or jail? Third time, probation or jail? And what I would say to you is if you give somebody a sentence of approximately four years for a nonviolent crime, they will be home within 25 to 35% of that four-year sentence. So you've taken a 20-year-old and put that individual to a four-year sentence, which actually means that they will come back at 21, 22, better or worse. And the answer is worse, unless we do something about it. And I'm gonna go back to the now what. So it's not about accountability. We will hold them accountable. It's about how do we ensure public safety and do a better job with the recidivism rates. Again, that same Bureau of Justice Statistics recidivism rates, after three years studying 30 states using 100,000 uh, sample size, we found that it was 67% recidivism after three years, 73% after five years, and 83% after nine years. Now what? We see that the system doesn't work. And in order to increase public safety, we have to do something different. And that's what we're doing here. We're doing something different and we're doing it smarter, not softer. Let's get into some of that different part because I bet our listeners uh, think that we forgot about the technology aspect of this. And so I understand there's a technology aspect incorporating some modern innovations, trying to help uh, people that are attempting to re-enter successfully our society. And so, uh, Your Honor, if you could just tell us a little bit about that. I know there's a lot of different components here. I know you're working with a lot of different ideas, perhaps talking to some vendors. Let's let's get into it. And also, I'd like to weave that into your work with the Center for Innovation from the ABA. Yeah, sure. No, um, 
So look, again, the criminal justice system is very complicated. The resources are limited. You have a lot of hardworking public servants, the prosecutors, the public defenders, the probation officers, the counselors, the judges, the clerks. These are dedicated public servants that frankly aren't paid nearly enough to do the jobs that they do. And we don't have enough resources to do it. So if you look at the problem from a purely business perspective, so how do I ensure that you get healthy so that there are no more victims? Well, let's just rethink the model. Let's utilize the various technologies that exist in the private sector and apply them in the criminal justice system and repurpose them so that we can reimagine the criminal justice system to get you healthy. So, for instance, uh, we use an encrypted messaging platform with our smart supervision programs where we have 19 individuals on that platform. We have the DA, the public defender, the probation officers, the counselors, the minute clerk, the court reporter, the assistant, their bosses and supervisors. So that when I said with the Swift and Certain Probation Program, if you own it, it's two days in the parish prison, here's what happens. The drug lab sends an encrypted message to the entire team saying, positive. The probation officer files the necessary detainer paperwork. The law enforcement officer does the detainment. The minute clerk sets the hearing. The DA and the public defender are aware of it and know to get on there because we cannot have ex parte communications. The judge knows it, and that individual will be in court within 48 hours with John Doe tested positive for cocaine. And when I said two days, I meant two days. So you will be in front of me and we will address that sanction within 48 hours. And that is a simple encrypted messaging platform that costs us, wait for it, $150 a year to reimagine the criminal justice system so that we can act as one unit and one team so that we can intervene into that individual's life to find out what's going on before there's a new victim. Well, that's, uh, that's a lot of savings in terms of people power hours there. I mean, you think about just uh, the unification of all those communications, all the steps that are left out, the phone calls and the follow-up meetings. So that is a tremendous uh, use of assets. Um, I'm aware that there's a wearables uh, part of this. So there's a wearables thing part of your tech solution. That's part of the big tech dream is to, to implement uh, wearables and NFC. Again, if, I, if you consider a doctor's office, if, if I have a cold, what do you do? You pick up the phone you call the doctor's office, and by the time you've hung up, what happens? You get a text and an email reminder, you dump it on your Outlook calendar. When you arrive at the doctor's office, they say, hey, how are you, good to see you, the doctor will be right with you. You go in there, and what happens? After you get the follow-up care, they send a notification to the pharmacy, you go to the pharmacy, you pick it up, it's already ready for you, and you walk out the door. And what are they trying to accomplish? They're trying to get you healthy, so that all of those consequences of unhealthiness don't occur. Think of that model and apply it to the criminal justice system. When you leave, how about I send you a text reminder, an email reminder, utilizing a calendaring application that I spend $150 a year, and I actually send you different notifications to ensure that you get where you need to be so that we can get you the help that you need so that you get out of the criminal justice system. So that's that part uh, I saw there's some court notices being distributed. Yeah, sure. I, I would imagine that was probably difficult for somebody who probably doesn't want to be in court at all. Right. I uh, probably got some bad memories about being in court, but to get those notices, there's some accountability there, and you know they received them, they're supposed to. Um, let's get into some of the transportation and job board yeah. programs that you're putting sure. together through this. Um, and before we go on to that, if I may, uh, sure. the, the failure to appear, that's a, a great point. So the same system that we just talked about, um, every other Thursday I have a, over 100 on my criminal docket. And so what it looks like typically is you order 120 people to come to your courtroom at 9 a.m. 
and that is a security nightmare, and about 30 folks don't show because they forgot. Now, some of them are trying to avoid, but most of them may have just forgotten. Maybe they're not on the right bus line. Maybe they don't have reliable transportation. Maybe they dropped to drop their children off at school. I'm going to be on that bench from 9 until 120 cases are over. So now what do I do? I say, look, you want to come at 9, 10, or 11. It's of no moment to me. I'm going to be on this bench all day long. Go take care of what you need to come to. What time do you want to come? So now I order them to come on a certain day, and I give them an option of the time. And before they leave my courtroom, they go over and they fill out their phone number and their email. And we have a great clerk of court who integrates it within his system, and it sends them an email and a text reminder, one week in advance and 24 hours in advance, so we can cut down on the failures to appear, and now we can have a good workflow in the courtroom so that people aren't falling over each other. Wow, wow, so uh, that's pretty tremendous. Uh, uh, and so how challenging was that? I would imagine you probably had to go around asking some questions to some of the people that you're working with and say, you know, what are the difficult things about being here like that are uh, affecting, impacting your life? So, so I mean, it's something that probably most people that are going to work every day, they probably take for granted their car. Yeah, you know, no. I just get in my car and go. Well, for some folks, that's not an easy thing, and so, and they may live in uh, difficult locations with uh, with not the greatest public transportation. So, did you? Was there like a survey that you distributed around? Just ask questions. Or is this just no surveys, just uh, handling thousands and thousands of criminal cases as a prosecutor first, and then as a judge secondarily. You can just see the inefficiencies in the system and understand and appreciate. We're going to handle it. We're not forgetting about that accountability piece. That's first and foremost, public safety and accountability, first and foremost, every time. Now, now what? Well, I have two last questions for you. So uh, one of the ones that I wanted to get definitely on the board here was, uh, you know, this is an ongoing project. Uh, I'm certain, uh, you know, you're here at IBIA Tech Show looking for some uh, new innovative solutions. So just in terms of what you've already put together so far and, and how the programs are unveiling, what are you looking for? What can make your job easier and help with this initiative? Yeah, sure. So we're always looking, I'm always looking to, to find a platform that we can put the probationers within these similar ecosystems. So we have a system where we can put the encrypted messaging platform with the team, but there's no products out there that I have been able to find that consider the unique criminal justice workflow with all the various permissions and all the various requirements so that we can put them within that ecosystem so that we can then push calendar notifications to the individuals. We can send encrypted messaging platform. We can do video conferencing so that if and when the probationer has built up trust with the probation officer, how about you just do a video conference to show me you're at work. I don't need to come and embarrass you at work. Just show me you're at work. That'll save the probation officer 45 minutes travel time and save the probationer a number of embarrassment for the probation officer showing. So things like that, a communications platform, not a case management system. Everybody's got their own case management system, but if we can find a communications platform where we can store all the different handbooks and all the different material that you need to get healthy, uh, that's what I've been looking for, and that's what I continue to work on. All right, last question. If uh, listeners out there, they want to get involved, they want to reach out to you, ask you some questions, how can they find you? Yeah, sure. Uh, if you want to, uh, just go on to reentrycourt.com, uh, reentrycourt.com. Uh, if you go on there, you'll find uh, my interview with the ABA Center for Innovation. Uh, you'll find a number of articles that I've written about these topics, and you'll learn anything you need to learn about the programs, including uh, videos and news articles. Well, we've reached the end of the road for today's episode, but I want to thank our guest, Judge Scott Schlegel, for joining us. Thank you so much, thank Your Honor. Thank you for having me. We also want to thank our listeners for tuning in. If you like what you heard today, please subscribe, rate, and review us in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or better yet, your favorite podcasting app. We'll see you next time for another episode of On the Road with Legal Talk Network. 
If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. Find us on Twitter and Facebook. Or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Yeah.